Just getting going here at Developer Spirit Live, and uh, standby will be getting going shortly. Just getting all of our audio visual pieces sorted out. Listen to some great moments in developer history, um, and. Uh,
be. Hi, everybody. It appears that uh, Nathan is having some technical difficulties. So I'm Noel. I'll just introduce myself a little bit. Um, I'm working here at Developer Square to think about how to be a community manager, or at least the first attempt at being a community manager, bringing people together, um, understanding what are the, the things that we should be thinking at or thinking about, looking at, organizing, and then taking action on. So my primary role is to help coordinate Nathan uh, and uh, all of the developer level activities. And so uh, you can think of me somewhat as a producer and Nathan as the talent, as the star actor. Um, so it uh, looks like we have Nathan back, but he is currently muted. So uh, uh, yeah, so uh, yeah. there we go. I'll hand it off to Nathan now. You are still muted. Is there a way that I can unmute you? Uh, no, you're still muted. Hey, you're still muted. Nathan, we can't hear you. All right. Now we can hear you. Try it now. I can hear, I can hear sounds. Yeah, just give me a minute. We're okay. almost ready to go. So just standard AB fun. Um, but if you haven't been to developersquare.net yet, please go to devsquare.net. You'll see posts there and some of our content. And in a moment, we will be live as soon as my Microphone cables is quiet, um, and I will be right back.
think we have a microphone that's working. I think we have a microphone that's working. And I think we have a camera that's working. I don't see your camera. Now you do. Now I do. Great. All right. Well, um, and let me just turn on our camera tracker control room here. And uh, I think we're good. Good. We'll go while well, the getting is good. Um, so <laughs> welcome, all of our viewers and friends. As you can see, this is uh, our very... Well, um, Nathan, we lost you again. Nathan is coming back. And his camera's back. All right. Sorry about that. Um, cameraman is active. Let me control that. I guess, yes. And I see the other feet. Yes. Okay. Am I back? I'm here. Audio is good from over here. Do not know what's going on with the internet, but here we are. Yay. Um, and let me pull up a nice other video other than my face here. Okay. I'm live. Noel, can you hear me? Maybe can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to just give my little intro speech again and <laughs> see how this goes. Um, yeah, so Delper Square Live. Uh, we are kicking this off. Obviously, this is a bit of a test run to work out the kinks in our system um, and in our internet and in our workflow for doing live on our events about people and technology for building things, for making things, um, and for bringing people together in this world through code, through ideas, through innovation, through apps, and through mobile technology. And in particular, mobile technology that is free and open and accessible to everyone anywhere on the planet, no matter where they are or who they are. Um, we really believe in this idea of um, coding together for a better tomorrow. Um, and the sorry, just pulled my headphones on. Code together for a better tomorrow, and and that comes out of this idea that you know I as a developer started to realize that GitHub, for instance, or Stack Overflow, as two popular sites for developers, were really a gathering place for people from many different cultures and places and nationalities, and that I was encountering 
some of the most diverse uh, people on the internet through code. Um, and that, you know, while my usual communities might come from people I went to school with or worked with or socialized with or shared ideological views with, that when I was gathering around code, um, especially kind of free and open source code, I was actually you know, building a number of bridges to um, people that I otherwise wouldn't have met. And so Developer Square is unique in that our, our goal is to support those connections and to support them through you know, new ideas and new technology as always, kind of having the, the side of you know, building your skills and being curious and wanting to reach out to other people to ask questions and learn about new technology, that's there. But it's also to think about problems that maybe aren't being solved or looked at in, in places like Silicon Valley or New York or typical you know, places in the world um, where technology is developed. So as an example today, we're going to talk a bit about nearby networking, you know, communication between mobile devices that don't require, that doesn't require the internet to work, um, that allows you to share data with people in your physical area without any cost, any expense. And, and then we're also going to look at um, some new mobile vision APIs and think about how, well, maybe they're not just used to, you know, recognize a face or tag a face for social media purposes, but you can actually use it to hide a face or obscure a face, or to you know make a camera that only takes a picture when everyone is frowning, which I think would be pretty fun to do, actually. Um, so that's what Developer Square Live is about. And again, today is really our first very uh, janky, if that's the word I can use, no, uh, effort here where we're just getting going and just sorting things out. Um, and we're glad if you're watching. Uh, otherwise, this is all going to be archived for later. We do have a podcast uh, that our first episode, well, we have a few episodes, but the first kind of professional sounding five-minute episode just came out, so we're doing that as well. But um, I wanted to just, uh, you know, producer Noel, as we'll call him, uh, is here, and I don't know if you wanted to say a few words or share anything about your work in kind of civic technology and you know, your, some of the projects you work on, like Beta Code NYC, for example, um, but also just in general civic technology and kind of your, you know, interest in that and what, what impact do you think it can have? Sure. So um, not only am I here as part of Developer Square um, as the uh, uh, role of a producer or community manager, uh, or at least the interim community manager, uh, I'm the executive director of Beta NYC. There's no code in there. That's a. It's just Beta NYC. Oh, just Beta. Just Beta NYC. Beta dot NYC. Um, and we're a collection of civic hackers here in New York City, uh, where I primarily spend my time. And you know, we too come from this idea that um, uh, we can find a safe space um, online or in person to. And, and use technology and data and design as a, as a way, as a meeting ground to talk about some of the issues that we're passionate about and we can then think about building or improving uh, whether uh, you know, ourselves through skills or our community, our neighborhood, uh, provide opportunity for our brothers and sisters, cousins. Um, and so in New York, my focus is really thinking about how do we use this uh, uh, data 
technology and design to improve New York City and to improve the opportunity for our brothers and sisters and cousins. Um, and then through Developer Square, it's thinking through how do we um, how do we look at the other side of the coin, which is essentially use these tools to improve um, our our networks, our connections to each other, um, our own skills, um, and to be thinking about the future and to really you know. Uh, and some and somewhat fight for the future, um, and so um, I'm really excited uh, to be part of the Developer Square program. Uh, to be thinking about how does this, um, these ideas, these concepts of uh, you know, uh, uh, think global, act local, but now it's uh, think local, act global, uh, and and how do we uh, prepare ourselves to fight for more open, mobile, secure um, uh, tools. And so, uh, honored to be part of Developer Square, and um, honored to be uh, able to leverage the ideas that I have and the crazy networks that I have um, to, um, you know, more or less work together to code for a better tomorrow. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it. It's also important to note that what we're doing is really just helping people make better code and find access to more technology that's free and open. And if your goal is to build a killer app and to be successful commercially, we love that too. If your goal is to you know, help your local community, we love that too. If your goal is just to have fun and learn, uh, then you're welcome at the Square as well. So um, you know, devsquare.net is our landing page, devsq.net, for um, this effort. And you can go there and see some of the topics that we're interested in, um, some of the, the content that we're developing around um, just some fundamental tutorials as well as some new technology for um, and, and topic areas like smart sensors and smart cameras and nearby networking. Um, and it will also give you access to our materials that we have on GitHub and, for example, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. So we're using GitHub and we have a, a ton of content um, that's actually available at DevS, under the DevSQNet user. So you'll find the developer square user on GitHub with a lot of content. We'll talk about that more later. And we're also trying to reach out to people to help us translate uh, this site and this effort into different languages. So you'll see we actually have the site in Spanish. Uh, we have the site in Farsi because there's a lot of interest in developers um, in, from Iran because uh, they've been doing a lot of startup tech VC kind of innovation. Latin America is big and we're actually going to have a Chinese uh, content site starting up as well. So we're really trying to reach out to places in the world that we see are have great innovation, are starting to kind of enter the world stage in terms of apps and innovation and startups and try to reach them as well. So we don't want to just be West-centric. Um, and so we actually have a translation effort too where you can go in and we have a translation guide available that um, here for helping us translate content. That's a big part about bringing in people from different languages. So we actually need Arab Arabic translators and French um, and uh, because we want to reach kind of French-speaking parts of um, the world, not just France. Um, and we really see this as a way to 
you know, we know we know that a lot of technical people can speak a million different languages in the world, but we also know uh, that English is too often kind of relied upon as a as a common ground, which is great. But we also want to make sure that we reach people who, you know, would enjoy having some of this technical content in their own language. Um, beyond the main devsquared.net site, you can also see the Developer Square Talk site, and this is our community site. This is where we can bridge into um, you know, discussions that go beyond maybe what you would see on GitHub or Stack Overflow, where we can talk about um, larger topics, we can um, connect with around more interesting news, we can link to code and link to things that are relevant um, and technical. So we have our um, developer fundamentals section, for instance, which does provide a lot of just technical content for people getting started with open mobile development. But then we also have our um, wind farm section, which is all about nearby communication. Wind is, you know, in the air around us, and we'll be talking more about that today. And we've got different discussions about nearby networking. So you can kind of go from the basic fundamentals to something more sophisticated. One moment. So as Nathan is um, uh, uh, taking care of some issues there, uh, I also want to talk a little bit about um, Talk. Um, talk is a unique uh, site. It's using Discourse, which is another open source platform. Um, we have uh, translate, or we we love Discourse. We, yeah, uh, it's run by the same people or started that started Stack Overflow. Um, it's what's cool about Discourse. Uh, or what's unique about Discourse is that uh, a lot of community moderation tools are, are built into it. So the more you participate, the more you uh, engage in Discourse, the more uh, rights and privileges uh, you gain. So um, yeah, you know, it, the more likes you put out there, you earn badges for participation, um, the more comments um, that you add or the topics that you add, you cycle through a bunch of um, uh, le levels that are designed within the discourse AI. Uh, and what that does is it, it enables more active community members to help police and moderate the site. Um, so the more you engage, uh, the, the, the more uh, privileges you have. Um, and we are going to be encouraging people to participate. And so there are actually secret levels of uh, developer square that are out there for uh, users who are really, really active. So the more active you are, uh, the more enthusiastic you are about developer square, um, the uh, cooler groups you unlock. So encourage you to come early, come often, and uh, like everything you possibly can.
I am getting a little bit of mic distortion from you. Um, I don't know if that's something, if you're using a USB mic or something, if you can unplug and plug back in, it might be me on this side, but just so you know. Um, but yeah, the, the Developer Square talk site is definitely where we're um, promoting content and trying to create a new place to gather. And the cool thing is you can log in with your GitHub account, with your Twitter account. You don't need a new account, so it's just um, there as an extension of your existing identity. So um, we hope that if you have questions, you can post them there. And during events like this, we'll be monitoring for questions to see um, yeah, what's going on. All right, I am, let's see, going to switch over to this computer again for one second. And as Nathan uh, is switching over there, I just want to also point out that we're on, uh, we're trying to use as many social media outlets as possible. So we're on Instagram and we're on Facebook and we have a Twitter account. So uh, exactly. we're, wherever you Red are. Read my uh, mind. Excellent. All right, I'll let Nathan uh, take over here. Oh, keep going. I'm just showing some of the different areas where you can find us. So yeah. I think we're, um, you know, we're definitely trying to, to go where you are, really, um, and to reach people in there where they're comfortable communicating. Um, and I'm just going to go right now and see if... Um, I'm actually going to post some tweets here really quick to say that we're live. <clears throat> Here's the links. Let's get the links. We need the links. Uh, Live now. Um, exciting stuff. I love the social media. <laughs> uh, and there we go. And I'm just going to go into my Twitter tweet deck here, do a little promotion. Um, so another interesting thing that we'll be doing on the show is actually live demos. So hopefully you can see my device here. Can you see that, Producer Noel? Yep. Sweet. See, we've got some, some chops here um, for... Production chops. Okay, um, I'm retweeting now. Okay, so yeah, we're we'll be not only talking about code. So in a minute, I'll be showing you code. So as well, actually, I can do that right now. So here is um, where did our code go? Here's code. Okay, now I want to share my code. Share code. Um, so we'll be actually sharing code. So here's the example. Here is um, 
the some face detection, actually functioning face detection code, uh, for instance, using Google's new face detect API. And this is part of our ObscureCam project. So I'll be actually showing you um, some examples of how we use technology in that way. Um, but then I will also be, um, as I can switch back to here, um, demonstrating the, how the code works in real time in an app. So for instance, here is ObscuraCam, uh, the app that is powered by the code you just um, saw. And I'll be showing, for instance, how I can use it to choose a photo from my photo gallery um, of, let's find a person here. Here's me with a, a doggy. Uh, and then how it actually detected my face in the photo, um, put a box around it, and then it allows me to do things like put funny glasses on it or to remove the face entirely or to just blur the face. So we are you know, it's pretty neat that we can sh uh, shift from the code view to the app view and back and forth uh, live as we're here so we can actually answer questions and demonstrate some of this technology there. Uh, and yeah, so I'll actually I'll be doing that like in a few minutes. Uh, we'll actually talk a bit more through the code, but that just gives you some overview of what a DevSquare Live event is. Um, this is also, you know, just for a more of a fun demonstration. This is um, my Xiaomi Mi Note. I know a lot of people might be excited about Xiaomi devices. I know, producer Noel, you are very excited about Xiaomi. You can't wait to replace your iPhone 6 with a Xiaomi phone. Correct. <laughs> I've been looking uh, for uh, Android UIs to mimic uh, the Apple UI because um, I still love <laughs> the, the the little totally original. Yeah, um, I am I am really impressed by some uh, enthusiastic developers that have been able to clone the uh, Apple uh, iOS eight. Um, so yes, I'm looking to see how the Android uh, and the iOS kind of like merge in this perfect union of open source and functional usability. Well, and they even, you know, so this um, is actually a bumper that I bought because the the device itself is quite slippery. That, that is one of my main criteria here for DevSquare Live is how slippery the device is. <laughs> um, you know, that's one of our ratings of devices we'll be doing. Um, because when you're out in the world, you know, you don't want a slippery device because you could be like on the back of an elephant or riding a motorcycle or skydiving. Or on and, your bicycle. Yeah, actually I, I dropped a, a very a similarly slippery device the other day. Um, but you know, the good news is there's all sorts of crazy accessories out there for these things and so I got this really awesome aluminum, aluminium. This is an aluminium uh, uh, bumper case that makes it quite powerful and innovative. It is chamfered, has chamfered edges. Not really. Uh, so this is my, yeah, now much better. And actually you can do amazing things with it now, like stand it on end, which makes it pretty fun. Um, but yeah, so again, from a global perspective, we're not just showing, you know, on DevSquare, we're not just going to be showing uh, the latest Nexus 6, Galaxy S6, and things like that. You know, we'll be talking about devices like 
the Xiaomi Note, for instance. And then also, um, actually I have another device, let me go grab. In, uh, in relationship to uh, Nathan's context, I, uh, I am an uh, Apple user. A view, you know, we know that the Motorola Gs are quite popular in the world, so this is a Moto G um, that is actually my primary device as a developer. I love the Moto G, the white edition. Um, and this is a, a very affordable device that is widely available in the world, and so that's actually my primary development, as I said. So, And then, you know, also, um, this is the Moto E, which is about the same, but even cheaper. Um, so... This is with a crazy case there. Um, we'll also be doing things like taking devices apart and actually destroying technology for you, which shows you how much we care about you. So this is my, um, what device was this? This was a Galaxy Nexus, I think, um, that I destroyed for your benefit. And we'll actually be uh, talking through, you know, what all of these chips are and what they do and show you... Um, you know, kind of the the actual computing power behind your smartphone devices so you can actually understand what's happening inside them. How you can modify hardware, actually, if you're interested in. That's a topic that we might discuss. And then also how we are, um, you know, the sort of reality behind the guts of these systems. So, yeah, we're pretty excited about that. And I was just saying that uh, I, too, believe in finding cases that are non-slippery. Um, so uh, I, Nathan will make fun of me for being iOS, but uh, I am an avid user of Signal um, and several other tools that help me communicate um, intelligently with my friends and family around the world. So uh, um, make fun of me all you want, but um, we're sitting next to each other uh, digitally. Yeah, no, I'm, I um, will actually be talking about iOS as well, um, in fact, quite a bit on this um, show, podcast, event, um, because we understand that, you know, well, well, the exciting thing is is that open source is now becoming more of a re reality on iOS, which it wasn't for a while, so that's great news. And we also know that people love iPhones, and when they can have them, they, they are great, fantastic devices. So, yeah, definitely it's part of what we'll be discussing. In fact, today, when we talk about the nearby networking API in just a few minutes, um, we will be um, t looking at what Google has actually done themselves in releasing this code. So if I go to... Um, Make sure I'm sharing my screen here. Screen share, screen share, hello. Um, <clears throat> one of the exciting things that we want to, you know, maybe I can just start talking about now, is that um, on the Android developers blog uh, just a few days ago, and actually this has kind of been rolling for the last few months that they've been talking about it, but um, Google Play Services 7.8 was released. Um, and includes support for nearby networking. So this is for, um, a, it's a cross-platform API, meaning Android and iOS, to find and communicate with mobile devices and beacons, so we'll talk about beacons a little bit more, based on proximity. So things that are near you, that are in the room around you that you want to connect to and you just want to be able to 
say who's near and figure that out, then, then this um, nearby API will enable that. And again, what's critical is that it's available for not just Android, but actually for Android and iOS. So um, we'll be talking, we are talking about it right now, um, and um, and it's, it, it's great that Google has actually done that and released this cross-platform code and not just been Android-centric. So um, give me one second. I'm going to switch to my other computer here. This is part of the workflow for this show that I'm still working out. Okay. So, mute this guy over here. And now I'm here. Okay. Are we all muted over there? Yeah. Um, and I'm live here. Okay. Yeah, so the nearby networking, so I just I want to talk about this for a moment. So the two topics that we'll be discussing today for the rest of the time we have, probably for the next about 30 minutes, and then we'll be just hanging out for a bit, are nearby networking and face detection. Now, um, you know, Google uh, doing this release of Google Play services actually was what prompted me to set these as the topic because they're both, it's it's interesting for a company like Google to be working on uh, mobile vision and nearby communication. I think they're, they're two areas of technology that are really untapped still, that are uh, really ripe for a great deal of innovation. And they're also technologies that don't require a ton of kind of bandwidth, you know, not about streaming or you know, centralized servers, they're actually quite decentralized in most of their functionality. So nearby networking is something we've talked about on DevSquare quite a bit. Um, if you go to the wind farm section of the DevSquare talk site, you'll see information about an event that I organized at Harvard where I'm a fellow, um, and I, I didn't really introduce myself today, which is something we'll work on. Uh, but, you know, not only am I a host of DevSquare Live, but and not only do I lead an open source mobile project called the Guardian Project focused on you know, free and open source and private um, capabilities on mobile devices, I am also a former adjunct professor from New York University where I taught mobile technology for kind of social and civic uses. And now I'm a fellow at Harvard um, at the Berkman Center where I focus on actually this, this issue of kind of bringing technology, mobile technology to developers around the world. And so I organized an event in the spring called Wind Farm Zero. It was the first one. And we're base, base zero in our events. And Wind Farm really um, was about non-internet communication. So forget about the internet, forget about internet protocol. Let's just think about you know these amazing devices that we all carry around with us and what's pop you know, what is possible for them to do without the internet. So often we're tethered to the internet um, and that we don't think about this other kind of form of communication um, using, say, Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or sound or lights or anything that is just not your 3G or Wi-Fi typical connection. This really matters for people uh, who live in places where the internet doesn't work so great, and that might be because of 
bad coverage. That might be because of um, filtering on the network, uh, harmonizing of the, the network. You know, certain uh, decisions by your your culture or community or government about how the internet should work. This is also for people where it's too expensive. You know, we see, we hear a lot about uh, somewhere like Cuba opening up. You know, and making great strides forward to kind of rejoining the world and, and obviously a lot of that is is the US not um, embargoing a anymore but the real issue is is economic um, you know it, internet is very expensive still especially mobile internet and so there are a lot of people with smartphones in Cuba but those smartphones don't own um, and even if they do, they won't be kind of using it to download lots of media files or huge apps anytime soon. So in Cuba, they've devised various ways to share data via USB thumb drives and to physically move that around. I know in China, it's quite popular to swap apps with each other directly. There's a, a number of popular apps, for instance, for app sharing. Um, and so the, there's a lot of reasons that, you know, drive people to think about communicating without the internet and we're excited to talk about that. Um, I know, Noel, you've traveled around the world a bit. Do you have any experiences uh, being out there with, without the internet? Uh, I have several. Uh, but mo I mean, uh, you know, my big journey uh, around the world happened in 2007 um, where I backpacked um, to, around the world to six continents. Um, six or seven, or s attempted to hit seven. You didn't make seven. <laughs> I didn't make seven. Um, I'm going to do that this it's this, okay, this winter. Um, I'm heading to Antarctica, um, which will be another experiment in um, um, a, uh, a, a disconnected world. Uh, anyway, um, I, you know, in 2007, when I traveled around the world, uh, uh, the iPhone had just been released. Android uh, G1s were just coming on board. Uh, people were uh, uh, in, in, enthralled with Palm Pilots. Um, I remember using a Palm Pilot um, um, cell, tr uh, trio, trio, maybe. Yeah, a Trio 650, I believe, yeah. um, very uh, extensively. Um, and, and since then, you know, I see, um, you know, we in the West, uh, just to give a little Western perspective, uh, is cell phone companies starting to offer free international data plans, like T-Mobile, um, just coming out with uh, the the offer to you can roam internationally yeah. and have free data. Um, I have I have that plan. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, um, and and for me, it's it's you know we are living more and more connected. Um, to the to these uh, places and spaces. Uh, personally, I um, uh, I find myself connected to the to the net every every single morning. I stream music uh, from the internet through my phone uh, over Bluetooth speakers while the Bluetooth speakers are in my bicycle basket. Um, and so I commute uh, from uh, Brooklyn to Manhattan, which is roughly about five miles. And um, which is about 20 minutes of active writing, um, and I'm just connected to the net, listening to music and enjoying myself. Um, and you know, I can't. Well, imagine, uh, I, uh, at times, I find myself um, where I don't have network connectivity, and I find it um, a little, literally disconnecting. Um, and uh, um, I'm excited to 
pick up some new travels uh, um, where I will um, be disconnected uh, and, 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 and try to figure out um, what information I need. Um, it's hard to be disconnected these days, though, in truth. I mean, it's, there are places where internet is, is mobile internet specifically is uh, hard to get, but it, it, it's amazing how much that has changed even, you know, yeah. I mean, the last five years, for instance, I've been going to India regularly, and, um, you know, the, the speed, the amount of coverage, the speed of the coverage has just increased so much in, in places I go in India. And, and yeah, now I have this T-Mobile plan where I land and my phone just roams, and it's actually basically free for me to be roaming in India. Um, but what's really interesting, you know, so two things I want to point out. One, you know, when I am roaming in India, it's often at 2G or 2.5G. And the sad truth is so many of the smartphone apps I use on my phone just fail when you're at that speed. The, the latency of a, a network, even you know, an edge network, um, or even just a, a bad 3G network, um, causes so many apps just to stop working and get um, gummed up. And that's really, you know, like Google, Google Play Store even, for instance, Google Play Store just doesn't work when you have a bad connection. And that's something that Google really should fix if they want to help people in emerging internet uh, economies. Uh, so that's annoying. And I think one of the things we can talk about on DevSquare is how to build your apps to work when the network is really terrible. Because this also matters, for instance, when you're in a disaster. So I think you were in New York during when Hurricane Sandy hit, right? Yep, I, w I was here. And um, uh, one of the reasons why, uh, well, actually, uh, interesting story to that is what brought uh, Beta NYC breathed life back into New York City's civic hacker community is the fact that Lower Manhattan um, from uh, roughly like 32nd Street down was without power. Um, and so a coalition of uh, tech community and co-working locations came together uh, and did some mobile response. Uh, and one of the tools that we put together was Sandy Coworking, which was a map based on the Yushihidi platform that networked uh, co-working locations and, and startup offices that had power um, and that had internet and were willing to kind of either waive their fees or open their doors for individuals to connect, recharge, and, and you know, tell their families that, that they were okay or um, start communicating with um, their insurance companies or more importantly, if you were a startup, you know, and you're, you're on a project and all of a sudden a hurricane comes through um, you know, the last thing you want to be worrying about is trying to meet some deadlines when your apartment uh, or your office doesn't have any internet. And so, you know, that... Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that from the, from the mobile infrastructure side, you know, I mean, I, I, there's going to be, you know, if there's a natural disaster, there's going to be, you know, interruptions in the normal course of business and work. But I think the thing that I get frustrated by is that our mobile infrastructure, the thing we need to use to communicate from device to device, is sort of built with this assumption that only a small percentage of people will use it at any given time. Right. So if suddenly everyone's using it to try to get critical information about the safety of their loved ones or where to go or trying to find out what's going on, it fails. Even if there's no 
extra issue of power and water and el the elements, it will just fail. And so we kind of live in this false sense of security that this network is always there because if we actually try to use it all together, it stops working. Um, and time and time again, I've seen that happen in New York City. I mean, you could just be at a big gathering of people in this world. So when, it, you, when you hear about a big march or any sort of, you know, big activity gathering of lots of people, but whether political or not, and people, oh, the, the Internet wasn't working on my phone. You know, it's just like, yeah, because there's way more people in this location all of a sudden than your network operator expected ever. Hey, Nathan, just as a point, um, you might want to uh, switch back to yourself because right now you have the screen, uh, full screen on the, the window if you're going to continue talking. I actually have, uh, just to show my little I control do. room set up here, um, I have you here on the big screen. This is streaming uh, live through YouTube um, uh, on an Apple TV. So Okay, and interesting. So I, I should be... The, this camera that's on, I'm not? Nope. Um, I have the, your browser window uh, connect with the world around you through nearby APIs, and the audio is coming through just fine. Connect with the... Okay, interesting. Give me one second. Now I'm starting to see your. Uh... Now you can see me. No, now I now I see your um, your uh, avatar. Um, for a second. Are you sure you're not actually like selected? Because it should be automatically switching the camera. I'm using this cameraman tool where it says, you know, broadcast the large feed to my audience and hide the other feeds. Hold on a second here. Let's see. Um, I'm just showing you what YouTube is, is broadcasting right now, just as an FYI. And apparently we're only okay. two watchers. All right, so... <laughs> Nobody likes live television, I tell you. No one watches anything live anymore. So, oh, I can watch that later. Right, so I am going to hide this from broadcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm the one that's selected. It says I'm live. I really should be the live one here. I should be the live one. I think I'm the live one. Okay, now we're fixed. Okay. Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, this Hangout actually, Hangouts has actually evolved a lot, and they have a great, the tools they have now for kind of doing broadcasts like these are great. Um, I think that we actually do need a third person. I mean, maybe it's you or someone else who's actually switching the cameras effectively. Um, that would actually help a lot because I think right now I'm in control of the cameras. So we will work on that for our next event. Um, so anyway, I wanted to just go back to the... Well, so the idea that that our mobile network infrastructure isn't as great as it seemed, and it often falls apart. Information, they can't get it. So that's one issue. Second, you actually mentioned something great, which is streaming Bluetooth 
to your speakers. And it's super exciting. I mean, around the world, I see in every airport and every place people using Bluetooth speakers and headphones. And people are actually relying on nearby networking a lot. You know, people are actually using Bluetooth to stream music to these speakers. And that's one application. I think it would be what I want is why can't you play music? If we were in a car together, you should be able to stream music to everyone else's phone, and then we can all listen, not a car, but at a party or at an event. Like, why can't, why isn't it as easy for you to stream music and data to people sitting around you as it is for you to stream audio to your Bluetooth speakers? I mean, I, I know because it's about kind of copyright and control, um, but the, the Bluetooth speaker thing is a great example because it actually does work. Um, so, The whole idea behind nearby networking, and I'll get back into the topic. I'm going to switch to some code here and some examples. Is that you know these devices have? Um, actually, I should get my uh, my dismantled device over here. You know, inside these devices, there are a great deal of antennas and radios. So we've got Bluetooth a variety of different kinds of Bluetooth. We've got um, Wi-Fi, and I can't point out the exact chip on the board right now, um, but we've got Bluetooth, we have Wi-Fi, uh, and a variety of different frequencies and power levels, and we have antennas, so built into the edge of this case, actually when I took this apart, were a number of antennas that this plugged into, so you actually have a pretty good antenna system. Um, you have NFC now, which is like touch-to-pay features. You have speakers and sound and cameras, which can pick up, you know, audible and visible spectrum of energy. Um, and, and these used in some interesting combination can actually do quite a lot. So I'm going to switch over to this other um, page now and talk you through what Google's done. Because what they've actually done, if you have a Chromecast, they... Um, and you've ever experienced this, when you plug your Chromecast into a TV and you run the app, the, your phone will just sort of almost magically discover the Chromecast. You don't, they don't actually know about each other beforehand. They're not on a shared network, but somehow they can sort of sense each other. And now this new nearby API um, lifts the, the covers off of that bit of magic, which is... Um, you know, that it's using this combination of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, but also sound. It's using the, the microphone and speakers to emit sound you can't hear as a human. Maybe your dog could hear it, but it is at a frequency level that your, your devices can transmit and hear. So let me switch back to my developer workstation here. Okay, let's see what happens when I do that. Okay, let's see, can I hear now? Why can't I hear? All right, so I am... Suddenly I can't hear anymore. Can you hear me, Noel? Hmm. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, great. 
So the nearby APIs are part of Google Play Services. Now, unfortunately, Google Play Services are not actually open source, but we'll get to that. So we're breaking some of the, the basic tenet of Developer Square here, but it's built on something open source from Google, which is intriguing. So you'll see on this blog post that they talk about uh, uh, beacon technology, which is something that Apple has pioneered for a while and that now both Google and Facebook are investing in more. And the idea of beacons there are little hardware devices that emit signals that beacon out a, a small set of uh, identifiers that let you know, oh, you're standing in front of this store, you're standing at this bus stop, you're standing you know, near this thing. It's much more precise than GPS for, especially if you're inside, for instance. So beacon technology is interesting, and, and Google has released something called Eddystone. And Eddystone is actually open source the protocol, the system, and so that is the, what um, this is based upon. But the nearby API is the next level on top of that. So it uses Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, and inaudible sound um, to establish proximity. And so this is, again, how you find out your, your Chromecast that you plugged into your TV is connecting to your mobile device, or it allows you to actually find people. I don't know how to jump in, but... Um... I don't know how to switch your monitor um, over, and right now the what's uh, what's being uh, broadcasted okay. yeah, is empty chair. It's really interesting how unreliable that is to do. Is it now showing the proper thing? Uh, there's a little bit of a lag, and I will have to wait. Um, I see you moving over to your computer now. Um, and what a wonderful backdrop of, uh, of monitors, uh, of maps. Um, let's see what happens. Yeah, so I'm I'm using the cameraman extension, which really is meant to be. Um, okay, N now it's uh, showing the Google uh, the the screen that you're on. Okay, great. I think I think the problem is I'm actually logged in with the same account twice uh, instead of having a, a I need to have a. In the future, I'll be logged in, or someone will be logged in as the director, as the, you know, and, and actually the, the person running the stream, and then, but I think I'm confusing Hangouts a little bit today. Um, anyhow, so the nearby API is used in, um, for the Chromecast. Uh, it's used to find nearby players in, um, in, games, so you can say, I want to play with this person next to me, and it's also used um, in something called Google Tone, which I'm actually still trying to figure out what Tone is. Um, <laughs> so, <coughs> the, the, as I mentioned, this is available for iPhone and Android, and some of the other examples they give are the ability to share playlists of music with other devices around you to share a Trello board, which is a project management tool. So say you're in a meeting, 
you could actually just share a board with someone right next to you. And uh, rather than having to send them an email or send them a chat or go back through the cloud, you can just push information right uh, next to them. And then um, you can also, um, I guess, if you're shopping for houses, you can actually share boards for a real estate agent could actually create a board and share it. So what is super interesting about this is that you don't need to actually have any other connection to the person ahead of time to communicate with them. You don't need to have, be their friend on Facebook or Twitter or email or phone number. You can just say, oh, you want that information? Here it is. So th that is really important. And it's built on two uh, APIs. One is nearby messages. So that allows you to send messages uh, to people around you. And the other is nearby connections. And that's to able to discover the devices next to you. So if you want to actually say, I want to play a game with these other people and I need to connect with them and create kind of a, a local area connection, then you can use nearby connections. So that's used a lot for gaming as an example. But if you just want to do a message, you want to share a file or, or, or vote as, they, as an example, you know, make it a team decision, you want to, um, you know, let people know that there's a, you know, something happening in the room. Um, you want to send a, a, an update, for instance, you know, a emergency update about where to go for health resources, where the evacuation area is. So, you know, one of the ideas, going back to the, the hurricane idea, is that, um, you know, these kinds of systems could be used both through kind of beacons, but also just through people's phones to, to share information. Um, broadly out um, to devices, you know, between 10 and 100 meters from you. Because the, ra the radios in your devices can actually go quite far. So um, we're going to look at the Nearby Messages API um, briefly. And um, there is actually source code that is available on GitHub. Do -do. I'm trying to find the GitHub bit of code here. Um, well, the, yeah, the code is here, and you see it's also available for Android and iOS. Oh, sorry, here's the samples section. That's what I was looking at. Um, samples is available. Um, on GitHub. So if you go to Google Samples as the GitHub project and look for iOS nearby or Android nearby, you'll find the code um, for this. So Android nearby. And it's great. Google's putting a lot of this code on GitHub um, and will actually be um, including some of this code in future developer square zines. So actually, if you don't know, um, from devsquare.net, you can go to our slash zine, Z-I-N-E. And we actually offer downloadable um, code in a zip file every month. So we'll actually be including a lot of sample code and source from different projects like this in our zine. But you, if you can go to GitHub, you can also just get it directly. And so you can see the source code there for nearby messages. And yeah. Now I wanted to actually uh, go back a bit and talk about, you know, so, so that's Google's effort in this area, which is great. But as we mentioned, it's not actually open source. Um, and there are a bunch of other open source projects in this area that I, I want to mention. 
that are truly open source. Um, so Tali project is an open source effort actually from Microsoft Research. Um, and it is, uh, yes, I did say Microsoft. And it is completely open source. Um, and it uses things like uh, CouchDB or PouchDB, which is the mobile version. It uses Cordova and kind of HTML5 actually as part of their platform. And then it's using the same combination of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to allow peer-to-peer -peer communication between devices. Um, they don't actually incorporate sound yet. I hope they do. Oh, there it is. Sorry. No. Um, but it's secure, synchronized, local, and server optional, right? So the neat thing about the Tali architecture is you don't need servers. Um, and, it, uh, and it really thinks about actually syncing, replicating data between devices, so not just a single message. But say I have a database of information on my phone and I want to give that to you, this, the Tali project is kind of focused on synchronizing the, these uh, bits of data between people. It's a really great um, team and effort, and they're very transparent, in fact, about um, their efforts. And they have a blog, which I'm trying to find because, well, if you follow them on Twitter, you can find them. Um, if you look at their blog, you know, they have a ton of information here. They actually have a whole thing about peer-to-peer -peer connectivity on Android, on iOS, and they built an app called Tali Bubbles, which is, again, on GitHub, the Tali project that shows peer-to-peer -peer between iOS and Android. Um, and they're just, it's amazing how transparent they are and how much code they put out there, and they're really doing innovative work. So Tali Project is really interesting for nearby communication, and we'll actually be featuring them on a future episode. And then if you go again back to GitHub, there's another piece of technology that I'm actually helping develop and support called AirShare. Uh, and you can actually search for this under... Um, this account only in America. We'll be sharing, again, some of this code, but AirShare-Android is a library for this, and it works with, it has a link to the iOS library. So if you find AirShare-Android, then you'll find a link to the, to the same capability, and it, and it does the same thing. Discover nearby devices, interact with them using Bluetooth Low Energy Edition. So that's, that's part of what we're doing here is building upon Bluetooth LE, which is Definitely new and interesting technology. And then, you know, finally, we actually have a number of apps that already do this, and I'm going to switch to my webcam view now. So, do do do. Now we're back to the device. So we've actually, uh, my team at Guardian Project has been working on um, peer-to-peer device communication using a, both complex and kind of simple solutions for a while. And so one of the projects we work on is called F-Droid. Um, and it's a, if you go to fdroid.org, you'll find it. It's an open source app store. And you, you know, can find great apps in it. There's categories. If I want to find a game, you can see that there's a lot of free uh, open source games. And you can find the links to the source code for the games as well. So there's a lot of great reasons why to use F-Droid as your app store. But you can also do something called swap apps. And so swap apps is um, a way for me to choose apps on my phone that I want to share with other people. So I can say I want to choose Bubbles and Calculator and Chrome. 
And then it'll actually build a, a mini app store on my own phone. And once I once it builds that, I can then share that with people over Wi-Fi. So if we're on the same Wi-Fi network, they can discover me automatically on Bluetooth. So the, the next release will have Bluetooth sharing built in. Um, and I can also use a QR code to kind of connect me to do the discovery process. So in F-Droid, um, now we're already using you know, Wi-Fi, uh, Bonjour, which allows you to find other people in the Wi-Fi network. We're, you're, if your phone can create a Wi-Fi hotspot, we'll do that for you and create it, and the people can connect to your device. And then the next release will have Bluetooth support for syncing apps over Bluetooth. So this is a decentralized app store um, built on the nearby model. And again, all of this code is open source um, and comes from a, a project that I built called Gilgamesh and or Pinwheel, um, which again we'll be sharing in the next zine. So I'm actually I'm pretty excited about our next zine, uh, producer Noel, because um, we're gonna, going to have a ton of this cool nearby code as part of that zine. All right, let's see if I switch back here for a moment. So that is nearby uh, networking, kind of an overview. And we'll be doing more specific um, demonstrations about the code samples in the future. I can actually show more of that. But in the notes from this show and from in the zine, the next release of the zine, we will have uh, most of the code I just showed you. Some real, really simple uh, demonstrations of how to use Bluetooth, how to use Wi-Fi Direct, um, how to use the new Google API, which requires Play Services, and then links to things like the Tali project from Microsoft Research, and AirShare, which is you know new and emerging. Ultimately, you can incorporate nearby technology today in your app. It will make your users happy because it doesn't cost them anything to share files or media or information. It is very immediate. You know, if you're right there next to somebody and you can just connect them and share something, it really can create a great user experience. Um, and also allows you to ensure that anything you're sharing just happens between you and the person right around you. And you don't need to use the cloud to share information. So the next um, topic, we're, you know, kind of flying here. We're doing pretty well. This is exciting. Um, is the face detection APIs. And so this is something that's actually been part of Android for quite a while. Um, and actually, I'm going to get my device here. Um, face detect has been an API in Android for a very long time, since 1.6, I think. And it's the idea is you would use it to um, tag faces or to autofocus or kind of mundane uses like that. Um, a while ago we had the idea, you know, I have um, lots of interesting ideas, but I was, somehow I realized that 
if we could detect faces automatically, we could actually blur faces. And I know a lot of people, you know, blur faces in photos and videos for a lot of different reasons to protect identities. You can also blur shirts or posters in the background you don't want people to see. Maybe I have a password on the wall up here um, and I have a photo I really want to share, but I need to remove that part. People have, I've seen people use it to remove their license plate numbers on their car, you know, they're trying to sell their car online and, and they've used it for that. Um, there's a, you may also just want to remove the metadata, the GPS data or other information from a photo. So um, that's kind of a, a separate feature, but there's a lot of reasons people want to protect privacy in photos and video. So we built an app a long time ago called ObscuraCam that does this and uh, I demonstrated it earlier, but I'll, I'm going to try to do a, a live demo here. So here's my face as I'm talking to you. Um, okay, did that work? Yeah, so I just took a picture of myself talking and now I'm going to hit this button. This is tricky to do backwards. Oh, there we go, that one. There we go. And you can see instantly Obscure Cam found the photo and blurred my face out. And then I'm going to change it to a, a pair of silly glasses. Um, and um, There you go. You won't ever know it's me now. <laughs> um, so that uses, what that does is it takes the, the photo pixels and then it runs them through this face detect API. And then it uh, draws on top of the photo with a blurred or modified version of the image and then it renders that image back out for sharing uh, publicly on social media. So. Let me switch back to the developer workstation over here, and I'm going to show you some code. Whee. All right, we're back to the tabletop view here, and doobie-doo, bring up my code, start the share. All right. There we go. So we, we can, um, this is our, our Project Obscura Cam, which you can actually find on GitHub as well, and we will include this code in the next issue of the zine. And um, this is the app I just demonstrated. You can see it's a Gradle project, so it requires Android Studio and Gradle to build now. This is our most recent update. And if you want to get right down to the face detection code, you can go under the org.witness.securesmartcam.filters, um, not filters, detect. And you'll see that we've defined a face detection interface. So we, what we realized early on was that there would be a number of different face detection implementations. We knew that Google provided one in Android, but we thought we might implement others, and including something called OpenCV, which is an open source face detect API I'll also talk about. So fortunately, we built this abstract interface face detection, which is always good if you're a developer to build some flexibility into your code. 
And so the, the first implementation that we created used the android.media.facedetector API. This is built into Android. You don't need Google Play services, nothing special. It'll work on any Android device from uh, you know, Google Nexus to a Kindle to a Xiaomi to a Motorola. Um, and, and this is available today. And to initiate it, you create a face detector with the width and height of the, the image area, the maximum number of faces you want it to detect, and that's it. And then you just um, supply the find, uh, find faces method with the bitmap that you want to search for faces, and then an array of these face uh, face instances. So there's a fa array up here of face, and it will return back to you the number of faces that it discovered. And then you can go through your the array and get each face, and then you can the, what a face gives you is the uh, points where the eyes are, and a middle point, and then the and then from there you can build a rectangle around those points. Um, it also gives you some information about how confident it is that it's a face, so you can decide, is this, are they really confident, or they're not very confident, and you can kind of filter it, um, the confidence level, because lots of things might look like a face, and so you don't want your app to over-detect, but it's nice that with this API you can kind of tune that up and down. And so in this case, we create a, our own detected face, again, an abstract detected face class that we've defined so that you can then take those faces create rectangles, and then do the rendering. So it's actually really easy. Um, probably the most tricky part is just loading a bitmap and at the right resolution and things like that. Um, but this API is super easy to use, and it, it actually works pretty well. Now, one downside is you need two eyes and a, and a mouth, so you have to be facing the camera. That is the biggest issue. If the face is in any way obscured, then you actually, you know, it won't be detected. So Google's new API I was really excited about, um, potentially, um, and it's under this new com.google.android.gms.vision, mobile vision. I was really excited about mobile vision face detection because it sounded like it would be super superior and advanced. Um, and of course it uses a much more complicated method for setting it up, um, these new kind of builder patterns that are popular. And it has a lot, a number of more capabilities, such as do you want to detect landmarks like eyes, nose, corners of the mouth, chin, ears? Do you want to uh, classify, which um, some of the classifications are um, smiling, like <laughs> um, do you, uh, I can't find it right now, but you can say I, I want people that are only smiling or um, other kind of categories of classification, which is interesting. Um, rather than the confidence factor, you can set, let them choose and say, set only prominent faces. So don't show me faces kind of hidden in the background. So in our case, I've set, set that to false. Oops. And then finally, you can choose whether you want accurate mode or fast mode. Um, accurate mode is still actually pretty fast. So unless you need like insanely fast, then I would use accurate mode. So you build up this detector. And then you create something called a frame from your bitmap, and then you pass that frame to the detect method. And then from there, it's basically the same. 
it gives you back a number of faces. You can process those faces. Instead of just the eyes, you actually get the, the height and width and the uh, box. If you detected the landmarks, like the eyes, nose, mouth, you can actually get that data and draw different points or actually build a polygon instead of a box. But otherwise, it's pretty much the same kind of capability. And unfortunately, you know, I I'm sad to say that it actually doesn't do a, a better job at detecting faces, <laughs> sadly. It does pretty much like the same level of quality in actually detecting faces, uh, or uh, the number of faces, the chance that it'll detect a face. Um, unfortunately, so it just does more. If you can detect a face, then you can do a lot more with it. You can get all the landmarks. You can say, are they smiling or not smiling? But it really doesn't do much more than um, the old API in terms of likelihood of finding a face, unfortunately. So that's disappointing. Um, but it, you know, it does do other things that are, you know, it, it is good to use, but if you're just worried about how well it can detect faces, then it isn't that uh, big step forward. And as, as with the nearby API, it's also closed source. Um, uh, it's not in the Android source code, and it's part of this Google Play services piece and requires this extra bit of code. So it may not actually be that great. What we're doing is if you have it, we'll use it, and if you don't have it, we'll just fall back to the default one. Um, the last thing I want to show here is that um, we're actually also using this for video. And so what you see is a, a video um, that it, the face detection is going frame by frame in the video to look for faces. You actually see me walking into the frame here in a moment, and hopefully if the camera pans up. Actually, <laughs> this might be a terrible video to use because I just remembered that I don't show my face in that video, which is pretty silly. Um, this is actually a good one I like to use. So this is um, showing people on a sled. So you can see a green box there. It just got one face and just got the other face. And so it'll actually track them as they move through the video and create a face path. And you can actually track the same face and kind of create a, a smooth motion as the faces are moving. Um, and so that all of that code is in ObscureCam as well. The face path, the use of the multiple face detect APIs, um, and the work we do to then kind of render all of this out. So I can actually stop this and then play back, and you'll see. You can see how it's moving. I didn't let it continue, but you can see it's it's moving with the face. So yeah, so that is cool stuff. I, I'm going to switch back to my other mode, and then we'll wrap this show up. As an iOS uh, app user and device user, I will tell you I would love to have Obscure Cam for um, uh, iOS. So, uh, well, any... you know, there are 
There are, I, I think ObscureCam is interesting because it is so purpose-built and focused on this very simple need. I mean, you can definitely use Photoshop or a number of, you know, filter programs. I don't know if you have Snapseed or... There's, there's definitely photo editing programs, um, but the, this, the simplistic capability of ObscureCam just gets you to the point is great. And I... It... it there are also apps that maybe do that, but they are full of ads and they're closed source and they're really not nice. <laughs> so I, I would love to put it out for iPhone. Um, and I think, you know, some of the features there we're trying to just get... I mean, our, our hope was, was that this would be built into lots of apps by now, you know, that Facebook would incorporate this or Instagram, but it's really not still so. Yeah. What do you think, I mean, as, you know, as a... In terms of the APIs and some of the things we talked about, you know, what do you are you what do you think about mobile vision and the some you know th does it surprise you how it works? Is it kind of as you expected? Is there um, more you would think it could do? Or uh oh, you're muted. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, uh, I mean. Uh, with my Android device and the as I've seen obscure cam grow it, it's um, uh, to me it's uh, it is what it is it uh, it's a it's a great app that provides um, um, you know this the utility of being able to uh, strip or or encode information into um, uh, into photos. Uh, I remember its birth, and um, yeah, I, I think it's I mean, a great it's, little app. Yeah, and it's mostly just sat there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited again. I mean, we might incorporate more new technology. I'd hope this new mobile vision API would actually be a bigger breakthrough in terms of partial faces. Um, you know, it, it is interesting that we could get more of a polygon and kind of blend in the obscuring a bit more, so it's a little more seamless. But really, um, you know, from an open source perspective, um, OpenCV, which is at opencv.org, Open Computer Vision, you know, that is actually the amazing kind of state-of-the-art open source technology when it comes to mobile, to vision, computer vision, and, and, and it works on Android and iOS. You can actually look on YouTube and other sites and you'll see a lot of demos of people using this. So this, some form of this, or some, you know, uh, mutant child of this is actually powering things like Google's self-driving cars. Um, you know, this can say, you know, detect a bicycle, detect the, the paint on the road, detect a car. Um, you know, this can be trained to detect partial faces. It can do, you know, detect words, logo. I mean, the kind of things OpenCV does are amazing. And um, so... If we could incorporate this into some Ink Obscure Cam, I think it would be great. It would make the app a lot bigger and more complicated, so we haven't done it. But if you're really interested in totally free, completely open source computer vision, then OpenCV is the project you should be looking at. And definitely if you're building any sort of, um, you know, autom autonomous uh, robot, car, flying uh, object um, face, you know, or some other system, this is great. Because you can also run this on a Raspberry Pi. You could run this on a lot of different things. So definitely check out OpenCV. Uh, now back to my show here. Sorry about that.
do do. I'm still getting things. Here we go. Um. All right. Yeah. So then, lastly, on this front, do do do. Oh yeah. So it, it, it's an interesting time. Um, you know, Google is innovating a great deal. Facebook is. You know, Apple as well with their uh, various open kits for developers um, around health and wearables. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately from the free and open source side, there's a trend to sort of half embrace open source, which is a little unfortunate. And I think, you know, our message to a lot of you out there, if you're a startup, a new developer, is that, you know, you can truly embrace open source through your efforts and it won't hurt your business model. I mean, the idea that open source is needed to protect your intellectual property or your security or some sort of secrets I think is just not the case and that um, you know all that matters is do you have users are they happy are they willing to give you money or exchange their data in exchange for your service that's really all that matters um, in the world today and, and the idea of that you need to somehow protect your secrets doesn't so I think the um, the other unfortunate thing is a lot of people will build upon open source technology, you know, they'll happily use it from other people, but then when it comes time for them to do the same with their code, they, they get nervous or they don't want to do it. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, you can use something like Apache uh, license source code which doesn't require you to open source and that is acceptable and we release some code under that license. But if we really want to kind of empower the world and give opportunity to people in different places who, um, you know, are running free operating systems or don't have money and access to a lot of um, developers or people, you know, then we need to make the quality of code out there higher for people to build upon. We need to build more Legos, have many more Legos to, to build upon, and um, and that's what we're doing at Dev Square is just you know making sure that everyone knows how easy it is to do face detect or how easy it is to incorporate nearby features into your Android and iOS apps and that you know these technologies exist that are free from people like Google and also free and open source from from others. So I think that might be the end. I have one little last um, thing here on our inaugural show. <clears throat> I always like to uh, incorporate a musical number. Oh, it's a little, little bit loud. Let's see. I can get my. There we go. Get my little audio down.
talking about free software too. We're talking about Android and I. I'm just making this up right now. Well, I made it up last night, but I didn't write it down. Anyhow. So yeah, that's Developer Square Live. We end with a little ukulele, just to make sure you have a nice day. If you have questions, you can ask us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Mostly on the um, Developer Square Live site. And uh, a lot of the code examples we'll have in our next zine, which is 0.2 edition will be out. Let's see what else. Producer Noel is here. Thanks for joining me, joining us today. Thanks for bearing with us, audience of single digits. But uh, we'll have many more people joining us at the square. This is always how it starts. Anything else to say? You want to sing a verse? I don't want to sing a verse, um, but um, I'm definitely going to have to learn how to play my ukulele and join you one of these days. Developers, 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 developers. Thanks for joining us today. I will not be giving ukulele lessons, but uh, it is a great instrument if you want to learn how to, how to play. Uh, I think that's it. We have two viewers. Yay. All right, so this will be um, archived on YouTube, which is great, and then we can also cut clips out of it like that last awesome ukulele jam to post on to uh, Instagram and whatnot. And... Um, yeah. Otherwise, I think yeah, having some you or someone else uh, switch the cameras and manage that, I think, would be great because then you can. We imagine if we also had a, another guest like dialing in, like Hans or someone, and then you know to have one person, people can chime in and switch the cameras and all that would make a lot more sense than me trying to do it. I think this looks pretty good, though. We'll see how it comes out in the feed, but I think the whole, this talking to the camera view with the mic, I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, that's, uh, right, before you go, I should take a photo of um, uh, of this, but I sent, I've got you um, up on this big screen TV, which is running through uh, an Apple TV, uh, running through the YouTube app, um, and so it's got about maybe a minute delay, maybe... 50-second delay, but it's nice. I'm on TV. I'm on TV. You're on TV. That's great, yeah. No, and uh, the only real downside is how hot I am right now <laughs> because <laughs> I closed all the windows. I don't have air conditioning on. I have a light right here. Obviously, you can see those. You know, I'm professional lighting here. Uh, yeah, so I will be happy when we are not doing this in the summer, but... Um, yeah, and I should actually probably not use Wi-Fi, and I should plug into the Ethernet. That would also help. I think that would be a uh, huge improvement. Yeah. So I have. I uh, yeah. It's a long story why I didn't do that today. But, um, 
And then I, I think the next one we can actually do at Harvard. I was thinking about doing at Harvard in the fellows room there, um, which would be fun. Uh, I can bring, you know, at least some of this rig over there. And, um, yeah, maybe do it at different locations as well. So. All right, well, uh, let's see. It is now 9.39. I think we can sign off. Thank you for your time this morning, and uh, I'll see you later. I'm going to stop the broadcast. Bye, everyone.